You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. The scripture lesson this morning is read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. And the second reading is from Acts 1, verses 1 to 12. And if you'd like to follow the reading, it can be found in the Pew Bibles in front of you on pages 886 and 966. We may be reminded that the Word of God is given to us to read, to hear, to understand, and to obey it. The Great Commission... Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after that, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, As they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. 
Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I want to um, acknowledge how wonderful it was to see Sarah up here. Um, for many of you who don't know, Sarah has gone through uh, what maybe many of you have gone through before in the last time she was here. She's comforted her family. She has buried her father, and she has returned back to school, and she has gotten a lot of support from them, and some of you have reached out to her, and I want to thank you for that. And Sarah, we're glad you're here. Um, I know what it's like, um, and um, it's good to sing, not just of the great things he has done, not just to sing of the great things he is doing, but to sing about the great things that are to come. So it's good for you to be back. I'm glad you're here. Amen is right. And thank you, Bill, for reading that. As you saw, Bill was moving up slowly and down slowly. He is having surgery tomorrow. And, uh, and so thank you for, for reading. No, Wednesday. That's right. Dave's tomorrow. And then you're Wednesday. And uh, so thank you for reading each of these folks have a story, and what we've been doing over the last several weeks is looking at um, three stories in scriptures that are helping us to understand what our mission as a church is. Our mission is to cultivate a community uh, that encounters God, that equips each other with the truth, and that engages the world. And we've looked at these three stories, and if you have not been able to come or you have not been able to listen online to what our stories have been, just a little recap. Sorry, we're just going to recap a little bit. The first story where we talked about how important it is to encounter God, we saw the woman at the well, Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, who was doing an ordinary task, ordinary day, and she meets an extraordinary Savior. In that encounter with Jesus, just like with us, when we encounter Jesus, he exposed her pain, her scars, the things and journey in her life that maybe she didn't really want to talk about that day, but the encounter with Jesus will do that. And the purpose in doing that when we encounter God is for him to show us not just who he is, but show us who we really are and what we've been chasing in our life. And so this encounter with Christ, this equipping with this Savior changed everything in her life. We looked last week at the story of two men on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem in Luke chapter 24. And we saw that these two men were walking and these two men were confused and they were scared and they, were, um, they weren't really cold because they were really disturbed about what was happening. But they definitely were missing some passion and some mission and some purpose in their life because they had given their attention to a religion that was letting them down. And they were confused, and everything they had hoped for had turned upside down, and they just didn't understand. And sure enough, Jesus comes onto their road with them, meets them where they are, and listens to them. And then he begins to equip them. He says that beginning with Moses and, and through all, all the scriptures, Jesus begins to teach them the things in scripture about himself. They encounter him, and they are equipped by him. And, the, and when they recognized who this was that they encountered, something came alive in them as they realized while he was teaching us 
our hearts were burning within us. This is our prayer as a church that we would encounter God and that it would change everything in our life, that it would reveal what we need and, and what we should be drinking from for true satisfaction, and that we would have teaching and instruction from God's Word in our life that burns and gives us a passion within us. Not depress us, not oppress us, but make us alive. And so we come to a third story. I've been telling you there's going to be three stories, and I, I didn't intentionally lie, but there's really four stories. We'll get to the fourth story next week. But this third story is the story of the early church. We have a woman at the well, we have two guys on the road, and now we have the encounter of the living God of the first followers of Jesus. Just like these other two stories, there is a rest of the story. And before we look at their story, before we begin to look at the early church and the actions of the early church, I just want to ask you, what if we learned from these stories that there is something important for us in our day today? What if each of these stories and scriptures was actually provided for us and, and meant to change us and to charge us and to inspire us and to launch us and to shape how we ought to be not only as an individual believer but as a gathering of people? What if we treated the Bible and the commands of Christ as authoritative? I mean, what if when we read a command or a precept and very clear instructions from Scripture, we actually listen and learn the very commands of an, and instructions for us today? Not just, well, that's their story, that's his story, and that's their story, but what if it actually was something we looked at today and said, oh God, would you do this for us? Well, I want us to remember what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where it is written that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, and check this out, equipped for every good work. So therefore, I invite you this morning to join me in exploring these stories in Scripture with the intent that we be trained, that we be corrected, that we be made ready for every good work that God would have for us together in 2020. These stories do matter. They should affect us so that we move forward with this third story. I want us to do it together and I want us to ask the Holy Spirit together that we need to hear this, that it would make us ready, that he would make us ready to obey what we hear. So let's do that now. Let's dive in. All of that was introduction, sorry. Holy Spirit, these are good stories. 
We want to say from the beginning we believe them. And we want to confess, Lord, we don't know how to apply them without you. So would you help us submit everything to what you're telling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. This third story, we look at these first followers of Jesus. It's the story of the early church. It's the story that points us toward our church's mission to cultivate a culture, to cultivate a community here that engages the world. So in this story, what we're going to see today, three things. One, the mission given by Christ to engage others. It's the first thing. The second thing we're going to see are the resources available from God to us, to the church, to accomplish that mission. And thirdly, we're going to close out our time by evaluating our response to all of this. And that will continue on to next week also. So number one, let's look at the mission given by Christ. And we see it clearly in these two texts. The mission is clear for these first followers of Jesus. It's clear. Make disciples. Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20. Tell me if you can see the clarity here. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Tell me if you think this is clear in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The mission is clear. First of all, make disciples. What that means is you are to make disciples by baptizing and teaching them. What does that really mean? We don't want to get into all this today. We don't have time for this. But here's what he's very clearly telling the first early church. You are to go and you are to present the gospel in such a way that it leads people to die to themselves and to come up as born-again followers of Christ that follow Jesus. That's what baptism is. It's a following of Jesus. It's, a, it's an outward display that, yes, I am going to die to myself. I'm going to raise to walk the new life to follow Christ. So as you go to make disciples, part of what it means is you are leading people to forget their own selfish, personal agendas and to follow a new king but it also means that you're teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you there's way more to talk about all that but that's very clear what the mission is make disciples another part of that means that's clear here is that you're not only supposed to make disciples you're supposed to go and do it you're supposed to move forward you're supposed to advance we are hearing the calling to the early church in Matthew 28. Some interpret that as saying, as you go, kind of helps ease the pressure, right? Okay, as you go means just as you're kind of 
moving throughout life, just kind of be ready. That's not the intent if you actually look at it in the context here. Yes, it could be interpreted as as you go, but the intent is very specific. You better be going. And as you're going, baptize and teach. In Acts chapter 1-8, it's more intentional. Is You are to go. You will be my witnesses. There's a declaration that you're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll get to that in a minute. But he's saying, not only as you're going, I'm telling you, and what you need to understand is, you're going to go. You hear the decisive in that? It's very clear. Make disciples. Go make disciples. says that you will be my witnesses you're to make disciples you're supposed to go you're supposed to be a representation of who i am you're supposed to tell the story it's almost like jesus is saying if i could just paraphrase and if followers you have seen something great you have encountered the miracles you have heard my teaching you have seen the crucifixion you are aware of the risen Lord and Savior, you have been taught, you have been discipled, you have been, you have encountered, you have been equipped. Now you are to go and tell your story. Go share what you have seen, what you have heard. The story imprinted on your life of what you've experienced with God. Go. Tell it. So the story of the church that we read here is that they encountered God. They were equipped with the truth and they were given clear instructions to go and engage the world. So the mission is quite clear here. Be going. Make disciples. Be a witness. Everywhere go and engage the world so for clarity's sake we need to also understand and notice what is not in these texts just for clarity's sake of the mission we need to understand first of all he is not suggesting we do this don't try to read between the lines and say well that's just for the apostles that's just for the people we pay to do it the preachers Wasn't that why we have elders? Isn't that what the deacons are for? Isn't that what my Bible study? No. If you got a story, you go and be a witness. It's very clear that he doesn't limit this. He doesn't sort of cap this off. This is for the early church. The second thing that makes this even more clear is, is... the second thing that's not in this text is he's not stating necessarily how we are to specifically engage the world. What do I mean by that? He didn't program it for the followers. I want you to look back with me at the previous stories that we have talked about. In John chapter 4, the woman at the well, she encounters God, her everything changes in her life. Look with me in chapter 4, verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. And when he comes, 
he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Skip with me down to verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Check that out. She left her jar there. Ordinary task. Important task. Go to the well, fill it up, fill your jars up, bring it back so your job can be done well. Notice that Christ does not correct her. He doesn't stop and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Part of being my witness means you're a professional. Part of being my witness means you've got to make sure you're in good standing with your job. Don't we say that a lot? He wants us to be in good standing with our job. He wants us to have integrity. But I love that he doesn't stop her and he lets her just go. There's a wildness to this. I love. She stops what she's doing. She runs back into town and tells everybody that she can. In a moment, you can see it's almost like she forgot her reputation. She forgot that she's known to have five husbands and living with somebody that's not her husband. She forgot that people were judging her, ready to throw stones at her. It's like none of that mattered. Jesus knew it. So all he knew is like, you encountered me, you've been equipped. And she's like, I got to go. And he's like, yeah, you do. So what happened? Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. The Jew believed in him because of the woman's testimony. I love this. Believed in him and the testimony says he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. I love that the woman at the well that encountered Jesus didn't leave having to go through training for 15 weeks on how to share her faith. She left her jar full of joy and said, you got to meet this guy. The second story we looked at last week was in Luke chapter 24. We see a similar situation. The guys on the road to Emmaus were anything but confident and Happy and joyful, they meet Jesus. He opens up the word, their hearts burn. In fact, look with me in verse 32. It says, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures? I love this. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. They went back to their community. They went and engaged others. They went into their world with their story. They were on their way 
out of Jerusalem. And what makes this even crazier, and we alluded to this last week, is if you remember the story for those who were here last week or have read Luke 24, that while Jesus was walking with them, he wanted to pull away from them, and they said, no, it's too late. You need, to, you need to stay with us. Meaning, this road is a dangerous road. You don't want to be out by yourself in a place like this. So when they left that very hour to run back, they're saying, I don't care about the risk. They're not thinking danger. They're not thinking fear. They're filled with something that's real. Their story's alive. And Jesus didn't stop them and say, whoa, 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 get your act together. Before you go back to Jerusalem, let's, 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 spend, let's outline it with three points in an illustration. One of you needs to be ordained as a pastor. It doesn't count. Oh, what's clear about this command from Christ is that we're to go, we're to be witnesses. What helps it to become even more clear is what he doesn't add on to it. I love that in the book of Acts, this hit me as we were singing. I love, and we're going to look at this more next week, but I love in the book of Acts that with all that's happening, there still are people there that are caught up in nationalism. You catch that? Are you now going to restore Israel? (laughs) Does this sound like anybody in our country? We feel defeated. We think we don't have freedoms. We think of this, and this is intruding on us. I want to say, do you understand the clear calling? You have a story. There is no ruler. There is no Congress. There is no president that can take your story away. It's about what he has done. Go. It's a clear command. He gives us resources. He provides resources that are available for this mission that is very clear for us. First of all, kind of alluding to this, and to me, this is huge. For me and my faith, this has helped me probably more than anything when it comes to sharing Christ. The first resource He provides for us is He reminds us of the authority of Jesus Christ. Back in the Matthew 28 passage, we see the 11 disciples were there. Verse 18 says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Go, therefore. This resource is so good for us. The idea and the memory and the the reminder that He has all authority over all things. How does this resource help us? First of all, it quickens us to obey, doesn't it? Have you ever been sent by a boss or a coach to tell the team something that the boss is wanting the team to do or the coach is wanting to do? Or maybe you've been a child and you remember that the parent says, hey, I want you to tell everybody this. Like a mom tells the child, hey, tell everybody dinner's ready. And so the child's like, okay, I, gotta, I got this message. I got to go tell everybody, and I'm going to tell everybody that dinner's ready. Or the dad calls home and says, hey, I want you to make sure you tell everybody I need, the, I need the yard cleaned up, and I need the garage cleaned up, and the dishes put away before I get home. And so that kid who gets that message, he goes and tells the siblings, hey, we've got a job to do. What comes out of the other sibling's mouth? 
Who said? Why? Who, who said? Well, I just talked to Dad. And Dad said, this is our job. Most of the time, we don't want to be the bearers of such news, honestly. We don't want to be the one that's demanding people move to action. But there's coming a day where we will face the one with all the authority, and he's going to say, did you move? Did you go? Was it not clear? Nobody in this room can dare confess that it wasn't clear. These followers of Christ are being told to go and to make disciples, and the authority of Christ, this resource, quickens them to obey. They are reminded that they are being commissioned by the one who has all the authority. And when the men on the road to Emmaus realize who it was, there's something that happened in their heart. When the woman at the well realized who this was, that this is the Messiah, she launched from there to go tell everybody else. So one of the things this resource does for us, it, it, it equips us, it quickens us to obey. The other thing that this resource does for us, this reality of God's authority, is it gives us confidence. It gives us courage to go. So Jesus is telling them, your story has been approved. It has been commissioned by the one who's created all things. I have given you your story. I've designed you perfectly with your story. I've shed light into your story. You've come out of the water to say you're going to walk with new life with a story. And the one who has all the authority is, is empowering you and telling you to go wherever you go, no matter who you see. The one who is above all things has told you to go with your story. But we're not only engaging with only the authority of Christ, although that is awesome. We're also engaging others with the examples of his teaching. That's the other resource we get. In Matthew 28, it says, go and teach them all the things that you've observed. All the examples, everything you've seen, everything you've witnessed, everything I've taught you. You go and make disciples by what you've seen. We engage others by the authority of Christ with those resources. We engage others because of the teachings of Christ. But also, did you notice in the Acts passage that we go with the resource of the power of the Holy Spirit? That's why we did, most people like, are you reading both of those? You're trying to get all that in in one Sunday? No, I'm going to do it in two Sundays. But today we're cramming a lot in. But pay attention to this amazing promise in Acts chapter 1. He's telling them you will receive the power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. People of grace, we are not left to ourselves with just the memory of the authority of Christ. We believe and the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? Jesus promises his followers that he was going to send a helper. 
The Spirit is referred not only as a helper, but a counselor, a comforter, the one who's going to give us the words to say and the one that's going to help us say them when it's time to say them. Jesus does not send out his people on their own. Do you ever ask the Holy Spirit to guide your conversations at work, to guide your conversations with your family, to lead you to say what he wants you to say when he wants you to say it? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't, you're not operating in your life. If you feel like, I don't really have the power, well, why don't you click the unmute button in your mouth and watch what the Holy Spirit will do through you. Quit going to work. Quit going to the games. Quit going and just being silent because the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit wants you to use gifts that He's given to you to tell the story. We must always be praying when we, when we do pray that God, would you work in their lives? God, will you help me be an influence in their lives? God, will you help me tell my story with boldness? What we're saying is, Holy Spirit, would you do this? Because that's the one who frees us and uses us to go. Not only the authority of Jesus is a resource, not only the teachings of Jesus but the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last resource that he gives to us is kind of obvious. He gives to each believer a story. In Acts 1.8, he says, you are witnesses by the authority of the King of Kings. Amazing examples. The power of the Holy Spirit's work that you've seen. And now you're armed with your own story. Go. Be my witnesses. It's a clear command. We see what he's provided for us to accomplish his command. So how do we apply this together today? this season of our life? How do we be grace together and engage others? Well, we're going to start this today. We're going to complete it next week. And I want to tell you that what I'm going to share with you today is just the prime, the pump to prepare you for next week. And so you might be hearing like, I don't want to come next week. Well, hear the warning. I don't want you to disobey the command God's given you. If you want to obey it, he's called us to obey it together, in grace, together. So you don't want to miss next week. What I'm going to share next week is scarier for me than it is for you. But I'm so excited and humbled by it. I hope that was tempting enough, but today, what can we do today to begin applying this as we prepare for communion. First of all, I want to say, remember your story. Reflect on it. When we take the Lord's Supper here in a few minutes, there's, there's a, a station back there, a station back there, a station back here. And what you'll do is you'll go to one of those stations when the song happens, and you'll take the cups, and there's a stack of cups, and, and under you'll take them apart, and there's the cup of juice, there's a cup of bread, Okay? 
And as the Spirit leads you, people will be doing it at different times. When you take the bread first, ask the Spirit to remind you of the life of Christ that was laid down on your behalf. As you drink the cup, ask the Spirit to remind you in that moment all that His blood has covered, all the depravity that has been healed by His blood sacrificed for you. Ask the Spirit to help you to remember that day that you encountered Him that changed everything. Ask the Spirit to protect you from how you've forgotten that or run away from that, but instead to to reveal to you the joy of that moment, wherever it was, whether you're 7 or whether you're 77, whether you're at church camp or in a bar, wherever it was that you encountered God, that somebody equipped you with the truth, that, that you knew that you were born again. That's your story. When we take communion every month, that's what you do with it. Oh God, thank you for my story. Remember the story when we take communion together. Second thing you can do to begin applying this mission is evaluate your mission. Simply ask like I do, God, am I obeying the commands of Christ? Evaluate your mission. Third thing you do is commit your way. Just say, God, I want to submit myself and my family to your mission. I want to submit myself to global Christianity. Ah, Okay, I don't know if I want to do that yet. By what authority and what grounds have you chosen to reject his commands? What authority do you have to say to him, no thanks, I'm not doing that. I'll take the cup, I'll take the bread, but yeah, I'm not going to commit myself to global Christianity. No. Know your story, evaluate your mission, commit and submit yourself to global Christianity. One of the things the enemy is going to try to tell you right now, because guess what? He started to tell me that right there in the pew as we were singing You're not qualified. You're too dirty. You're too messed up. If the people in your workplace knew what you really thought or how you acted, the people in your family know what you think and how you act, you can't possibly share anything with them that's going to win them. Well, let me tell you and remind you of the woman at the well. Jesus wasn't at all concerned with telling her how to fix her history before she tells the story. No, just go and tell people, yeah, it's because I've had five husbands that I need Jesus Christ. Evaluate your mission. Submit yourself to global Christianity and don't let the enemy take you off track. And the, the last thing I'll say, pray for the gospel and then go to your world. Just start. 
So Jason said, I'm going to wait till next week. I'm going to wait till next Then I'll get it. No, no, no. You might not make it to next week. Start. We had our lunch together last week and with my friends. My friends left. It was fun. And then Josh tells me, Dad, Kobe Bryant just died. I'm like, no, no, Kobe Bryant didn't die. It's Super Bowl week. Famous people. No, this, is not, this isn't supposed to happen. This might be the week that you need to tell your story to somebody in your life so that if we leave earlier than we think, they're going to be left with your story. And they're going to be singing songs at your service with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're redeemed. Go to your world. Go to your domain. Go to your family. Go to your cluster and just tell them your story. You're like, Jason, I'm nervous. Yeah, ask for the Holy Spirit to help you. Next week, we will come together. We looked at the woman at the well, her story. We looked at the men on the road to the Maus, their story. We're looking at the early church, and we're going to look at it again next week, that story. But next week, we're going to ask God to show us our story. What is the story of Grace 2020? God, what are you going to do? tempted to go there but we're out of time so let's pray let's ask for the holy spirit to remind us of our story to fuel us with passion to go engage the lost and to celebrate what he has already done for us and what he's doing through us today holy spirit i want to thank you I want to thank you for saving my mom and my dad who taught me the gospel. I did not earn that. But I got to see and watch their story lived out loud in my life. Thank you for giving them the courage to live their story out loud and to tell their story often, not just to me, but to others. Lord, as I take the cup and the bread I celebrate what you've done in my life and I pray that everybody in this room will celebrate it and know their story and remember it and make you famous as, their, as your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen.